This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Listeners, if you've been following us for the last couple episodes, you know we've been talking about kids, kids growing up in Christian homes versus non-Christian homes, the advantage, disadvantage, and so forth. So today's question kind of piggybacks on that. And the question is, my kid is questioning the faith. And there's a statement, which is an implied question. Help. Help. Two episodes ago, you had shared a story about your kids, and each of them had a time when they were struggling. Mm -hmm. And if I could tell every parent, like, one thing, it would be this. Don't freak out. Yeah, that's the worst thing you can do is freak out. Yep. The struggle is good. When people have to fight through something and for something, they appreciate it way more. Case in point, any veteran who fought appreciates the United States of America Absolutely. way more than those of us who didn't. Mm-hmm. Unless sure. they came out cynical, right? And mm-hmm. But even then, they appreciate, by and large, I've never met one who doesn't, the vast freedom we have. When you go to other countries and you see what they're actually dealing with on the front lines and they come home and they're like, okay, whatever I'm fighting for, yeah, I may not have appreciated some of the things that had to happen or, or the commands that came down, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. this place is better than any place on earth. Right. And when you fight for something, you own it. You mm-hmm. love it. In church, for example, when things are hard, that's okay. For example, uh, we've talked about Willow Creek. The people who fight through that We'll have an ownership and a love for that place. Yeah, and it'll be better on the back end. Right. And we just got to remember this. So, like, your children, uh, it's okay if faith is easy for them. There are some kids, we talked about Romans 12, where God says he allots to each, each a measure of faith. There are some kids, like, they trust in Christ at four, and they just, they don't legitimately don't doubt, and they're passionate about Christ, and they live for the Lord, and they do great things, and and nothing in terms of faith is hard. They're the rarity, but that's good. That's a, that's a God good. thing. But and it is rare. It is rare. It is very rare. The vast majority of kids, especially kids who grew up in the church, have to fight for it. They have mm-hmm. to ask the questions. They have to wrestle through it. And when you see that happening, I would just say, this is good. Mm-hmm. And it may even feel bleak and dark. They might be challenging the foundations. Like, can I really prove the virgin birth? Is the, is the Bible truly the the word of God. But but here's the deal. If the Spirit of God is in them, then the Spirit of God will inevitably lead them to truth. And we can mm. walk through that fight. We can be praying for them, encouraging them. Like one of the most freeing things that apparently, I, I mean, I didn't grow up at home like this, but apparently this is a trend that you didn't ask questions back yeah. in the day, yep. Or whatever. Yep. Like if you doubted the authority of God's word or the resurrection, apparently that was like a really bad thing. And but I think now we live in a day where, like, we as parents say, it's okay to have questions. Bring them all. I can yeah. take—that's why we do this podcast. That's right. It doesn't matter how hard it is. We may not have the right answer. We may not have the best answer. But if the faith is going to survive in this hypercritical secular culture, then every question has to be freely on the table. Sure. And, and every personal struggle. We have to be open enough to allow those hard questions to be asked. Totally. And a lot of times I, I've met parents— that they don't want their kids asking the hard questions. Either, A, they they see that is something that's bad, that a child should never ask a question, or they're afraid they don't have the answer. And they may not have the answer. And they may not have the answer. And in this podcast, we've been very transparent. We may not have the perfect answer. We may have 
we, we always have a answer, but we may not have, <laughs> you know, the best answer yep. or, you know, there's times that we've done podcasts and we said, you know what, we need to redo that. We've totally. got better information. We've got better insight now. We need to come back and answer yep. that question. Children naturally go through this why stage in their lives with a child asking why, 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 why. I know it can be nerve wracking on parents, but at the same time, it's how that parent deals with that legitimate or maybe non-legitimate question. Maybe the kids are just, you know, being a little testy, but typically when they're asking why, they're curious and you want to encourage that yep. curiosity in your children. And if it gets stifled, if it gets shoved down or if it gets shut off by a parent, then those children learn it's not safe to ask yep. my hard questions to my parents. Developmentally for toddlers, that's how they're figuring out the world. Yeah. And spiritual toddlers, which most high school students are, if they've come to Christ even at four years old, like they're doing what toddlers do. That's right. They're asking the whys because fundamentally as you grow up, because yeah. I said so, actually we're not wired to work no. under that very well. We're wired to be motivated by why. Yes. How does this work? This doesn't feel right. Like, And when there's discrepancies in our logic— we are wired to resolve those. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing. And it's an interesting dynamic for parents because, especially Christian parents, that are well-equipped or well-versed in Scripture, and their children will ask them those hard questions. And the easy thing for a parent to do is just to rat off the answer and say, well, the answer is, and then chapter and verse, you know, here's where it says, you know, what the Bible says, the answer to your question and it's easy to do that, but you want to help them do it for themselves. You want to help them learn it for themselves. Mm. And we found this with both of our kids. They were asking those hard questions and it would be easy to, you know, give them the answer. But a lot of times we would say, hey, you know what? I want you to read this book. Mm. Does this book in the Bible answer your question that, that you just posed? Yep. So yep. again, you're wanting them to learn the answer for themselves or I'm sure we're going to hear counterpoints on this, but I'd give them things to read, especially when they're in high school and college, that I knew was wrong. And I would say, I want you to read this and tell me why this is wrong. They were at a developmental stage that they could think for themselves. But I would give them things and I'd say, now, is that right? Based on what this writer, what this book says, is that right based on what you know to be true? Mm, that's good. I found there are two questionings that happen. One is a questioning from the mind, which is the why. The second is a questioning from the heart, heart. which is a desire of wants. Yes. So, for example. That's good. My, um, I'm, this is small and my son is six, so there was a lot of time to deal with this, but he apparently wants to lie a lot. <laughs> and even when I call him on it, he doesn't have um, a desire right now to get over it. He just, mm. he, I think he likes it actually. Gives him power or something. And um, it's not good. Whatever it is. Yeah. It's a heart problem. Yeah. But that's small. So you have the thirteen-year-old uh, daughter who has uh, uh, a like. I can't, this is not an uncommon conversation. I don't want to do what the Bible says. I want to do this sure. with my friends. You know. Okay. Now you're dealing with a heart issue, which is actually it's just a different level. Of, uh, it's a very different layer, and you deal with heart issues very differently, differently. than you deal with mind issues. Mm -hmm. You have the fifteen-year-old boy who says, "I have same-sex attraction." That's a want issue. Yep. You know. Everybody's different. Everybody's motivated differently. And you have to recognize which one is which and understand that you have to go about the two very differently. You can go about the intellectual wise with ideas and logic typically wins and typically behind a bad idea is a bad worldview. Mm -hmm. And so you learn to dismantle the worldview at the core. Right. Unfortunately, behind a bad desire 
is like, why do I have to do this? I don't want to do that. I want to do this. It's not a broken worldview so much as it is a broken heart. That's right. And that is where I think one of the best things I can encourage somebody to do is when you're dealing with heart issues to get books. Like Paul Tripp has a book on shepherding uh, a child's heart. heart. It's a great book. Um, Learning how to get down to the core of motivations. And there are great methods and strategies to shape hearts Mm -hmm. and not just behaviors. And don't get me wrong. Behavior modification does shape your heart to a degree. But if you can do that and also modify their heart in the process, like that's a double win. Mm -hmm. But that's a point where really good Christian counselors, some really good books, talking to pastors who have experience just in terms of thinking about the heart. Once you get to the heart level, it's it's a different level of scholarship. It's a different level of attentiveness and detail and prayer. It's just a very different category. So I would encourage people to find somebody who's more of an expert on the heart. As a previous youth pastor, one of the things that you and I both have experienced is that parents can sometimes be struggling, dealing with a child who's struggling with their faith, and the parent is trying to say the right, uh, give the right answers, trying to help them walk through this challenging stage in their teenager's life. But a youth pastor who really loves and cares for them and has a relationship with them can do and say virtually the same thing the parent can do. <laughs> and the amazing thing is the child they will come back to mom and dad and say, you're an idiot, but my youth pastor said such and such, and he's a genius, and he's such a godly man. And then the child gets it, it, it's embraced. And parents need to embrace the fact that, you know what, there are stages in which your child is going to think that you don't know anything about what they're going through because in their mind, you've never been 8, 9, 10, 15, 20 years old. You've never been that because... They can only look at you at at the age that you're at. And some parents get very, very uh, defensive. They get very, very concerned that other people that they would normally respect greatly now are having an influence on their child that may be even greater than they're having or would appear in their mind greater, which is is not a true statement. And and I've, I've seen parents that really, really struggle with that. And I would just speak to those parents and say, you know what? Be thankful that God has brought someone else in their life to walk with your child during this time of questioning their faith. That's the whole beauty, in my opinion, of a local church and being involved in a local church because you've got so many other people that you love and respect that are having an influence on your child during both their good times and their struggling times, their their bad times. Mm. It's an amazing thing how the church works as a family, and when it does, how beautiful it is. Amen on that. Well, our next question yeah, goes what's like our next this. question? Episode 597. If someone asks for money, should you give it to them? Mm. Yes, please. Yes, please. 